Hi there. You're listening to the Paralegals on Fire podcast show, where you'll be getting tips and actionable strategies that you can use right now to fast track your paralegal career. I'm your host, Ann Pearson, former paralegal and paralegal manager who left big law in the concrete jungle to start my own company, the Paralegal Bootcamp, where we give online courses that help paralegals make more money, increase their job security, and cut out the learning curve. All right, let's jump right into today's episode. Well, welcome back. We've got our next monthly paralegal inspiration episode. And this month, I'm talking to Lisa Gutierrez. She's a litigation paralegal working in medical malpractice and a great example of why you shouldn't give up on your paralegal career, even if it's not feeling right, kind of where you're at, or if you're not making enough money yet. Lisa was working as a receptionist while she was getting her paralegal certificate, then got laid off, went to work part-time, and in 2015, she ended up quitting to go back into retail because she wasn't making enough money. Fast forward to 2020, and we all know what happened to retail. That prompted Lisa to give her paralegal career another try. And boy, I'm glad she did. Now she finds herself working in a great firm in a job that she loves working for attorneys that she loves to work for and has a rewarding paralegal career. So welcome to the show, Lisa. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. I have to say, before we hit the record button, when we had our little talk, you know, you had such great things to say about your boss. It was so refreshing to hear those things. And, you know, if you could tell me a little bit about why you love being a paralegal now. I think that now my love for my job really stems from the people that I work for. It's a very strenuous job at times. It's demanding. But when you work for the right people, they see your value and they appreciate the hard work. And I just got extremely lucky to interview for this position. And just from my very first interview, I knew this was probably going to be a great place to work for because the uh, person that interviewed me is my uh, office administrator. And she has been with the firm for about two and a half decades and she's happy and she gets appreciated. And I saw that and I thought, you know, this is the kind of place that I can see myself making it a home for my career. And then I had my second interview with my boss, Sean, and you could tell that he was very proud to do what he does and follow in his father's footsteps. And I just thought, you know, this is a a family-oriented business and they really make us feel like family. You know, they make sure that we're well, you know, not just to be able to perform the work, but on a personal level too. So it was just, it's really refreshing to come into a place where it's not just a, we care about you. Here's a little raise. Here's a, you know, a little incentive. They are genuinely invested in our well-being all around. And not only that, but he's invested in my education and my continuing to learn to benefit the work that we do. I like that. So we're not giving away any law firm names. So all you guys out there listening, wondering like, wait, where's that firm? I want to go to work there. (laughs) (laughs) I don't plan on going anywhere. So my my position will not be open. (laughs) 
Well, tell me, so speaking of that, so you go in for the interview, you had that five-year gap where you'd stopped working in the legal profession and you hadn't worked in it that long anyways, and then you're out of it for five years. How did you manage to get that job when you'd been out of the field for at least five years? Well, I initially applied for a receptionist position because I knew being out of the that line of work for that long and not having decades of experience under my belt prior to that gap, I knew I was going to have to start over. And I set the expectation knowing that I'm going to have to probably take a pay cut from the money I was making in retail because I've got so many years experience in retail. And I knew I was going to have to start entry level. And I, I just, I set myself up to know that let's start over. Let's make a fresh start. And so I didn't go in with this attitude like, well, I've got a degree, an associate's degree in paralegal specialty. They should hire me based on that. I've been out of the game so long. We all know in this industry, the laws change frequently. Procedures change. It changes from year to year. And then that being an area of law that I was completely unfamiliar with, I knew that alone was going to be difficult to get in at an actual paralegal level. So I set the expectation for myself to start from scratch and, you know, let me just get my feet wet again. And that's worked out well. That was a good decision. When we talked, you said you were working in estate planning. So even prior to your five-year break, you'd never worked in medical malpractice. So how would you say the two are different? The estate planning and probate work that I did The attorney I worked for was very family oriented. And so she kept her office very, very small and she did not handle contested probate and things like that. We were really just preparing estate plans for the most part and handling probates that were going to be fairly simple and uncontested. So there wasn't a lot of, I guess you could say, action in that office. It was extremely quiet. I was literally her only staff. (laughs) So there were days where like watching paint dry and not that the work wasn't interesting when we had it, because I did learn quite a bit about preparing for the future and the unexpected. So I'm never going to devalue the time that I spent. And she actually was a very great boss as well. It's just that she and I both agreed that there really would be no room to move up because she was content in her small practice. And at that moment in time in my life, it was ideal for my children. They were small, they were still in school, and she was very flexible with my schedule, things like that. So those were the things that were important to me at that time. So the workload being what it was, was, you know, ideal. But then I knew immediately if I could not move up, that I probably had to get into something else or or try to get back into retail, even though that was the whole reason I went back to school was to leave retail. But I found myself in that, you know, I I lived in a different city at that time that the market just wasn't there to make a livable salary, especially because I was raising kids on my own. And the money just wasn't going to be there. I had no benefits. And, you know, as tough as it was a decision to leave that office, because she was such a great boss, I had to do what I had to do for my family. And I realized that at that particular time in my life, the financial portion of my career was going to have to take precedent over getting into the legal field and, and running full steam ahead. So I had to, I had to go back to, you know, working the holidays and long hours. But now 
being in medical malpractice now that I've started this over again, the difference with this field, number one, there aren't a lot of medical malpractice firms, or at least firms that specialize in medical malpractice. It's a very, very complex field. And you really have to pay attention and do and do some research on your own because you're looking at medical records and dealing with all sorts of experts. And if you don't look these things up on your own, you really could get lost. And um, I'm just very, very lucky that my uh, my bosses are are so well versed in this area. And it's very similar to just personal injury, where you're dealing with people who have suffered significantly. And you have to really embrace the fact that you are their advocate and you are their representative. And as tedious and as and as time consuming and sometimes as stressful as the work is, the best thing to do is to keep in mind that person that you're doing the job for. And then it makes it all worth it in the end. So this particular line of work is definitely more rewarding on a personal level. Feel accomplished and you feel, you know, we do take our defeats every now and then, but the victories are just that much sweeter because they're so, you know, the hard work that you put in, you know, and litigation can take years. So to finally get that great result after putting in so much time and effort is just a very rewarding feeling. So, and of course, the, the people I work for, they spread the, the victory all over the office. Every single one of us in there has a part of that, you know, not just the litigation department, but the case has to start from scratch from the beginning. So from intake all the way to wrapping up loose ends at the end of the case after we, you know, either go to trial or settle, every single person in the office has played a major role and we all share in that victory. So I think that uh, is also another reason why it brings us much closer together because we're all intricate parts in the in the case. And it, like I said, I'm technically a department. There's just two litigation paralegals in our office, but we have to work so closely with every other department that it's always a team effort. There's really no one person is the reason that we were triumphant. It was a team effort every single time. So it's just a much better, like I said, more fulfilling at the end of the day. That that victory is just so sweet after the blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, it sounds it. And it sounds yeah. like a great place to work in terms of the team and support and stuff. And so that would bring me to the question. I have a feeling I probably know the answer and I didn't ask this in advance, mm -hmm. but what did you do when you first started there, having been out of the field or, you know, the entire paralegal profession for five years? And prior to that, you didn't even work in medical malpractice. What did you do early on to get up to speed? How did you learn to do what you're doing? It's ideal that the receptionist position is also the intake person. So while being a receptionist, I would do intake on potential new cases. So starting from the beginning where you're communicating with the potential client and having to hear their story and learning what questions to ask, it's really the ideal position to get familiar with all of the terminology and all of the information that you're going to need working as intake because you're the very first point of contact for that potential new client. And you are the person that they're going to relay this heart-wrenching story to. So just from making that connection as the intake coordinator with these potential new clients, if you're 
an empathic person, you're automatically going to be invested in helping that person out. And there are times where we hear the story and it's heartbreaking. And then we pass it along to be reviewed. And it's just not a great case. It's gut-wrenching sometimes to have to tell those people that there's not much we can do, especially if somebody's lost a loved one. So that receptionist position slash intake coordinator position is the ideal position to become attached to the line of work. So when you become attached to the line of work, it's just, I guess, for some instinctual to start to do a little research on your own. And, you know, there are ailments that people would talk about that I was not familiar with. And so I would just on my own Google these conditions or Google medications or Google procedures and learn about them on my own. And then we also would do memos from our senior attorney and his wealth of knowledge, just listening to him dictate a memo, that's also education on its own because you hear him interpreting what he's seen in the medical records. So then you start to learn what to look for, what are the key indicators, what would make a great case. And not only that, but our our bosses are very vocal to us about what we need to look for and what we need to listen for in order to determine if it's going to be a great case. So it was just the ideal entry-level position to really become attached. You can either really start to love it or it could wear on you, really can, listening to these heart-wrenching stories over and over can really have an effect on on their own well-being. But if you're the ideal candidate to listen to these type of stories and you feel passionate enough to where you want to fight their fight for them, then you on your own want to learn everything you can. And my boss is also very, very good about, you know, he'll see CLEs or things like that that he thinks might benefit me or interest me. Or if I see a CLE that I think would help me because maybe I'm not familiar with the certain types of discovery or or putting together trial notebooks and mediation notebooks, I'll ask. And they're very quick to say, yes, of course, you know, this is only going to benefit the entire team. So I guess if you get that urge to want to fight for your clients, you'll just on your own start learning and start researching and start looking into these things and figuring out what's going to make a great case or how to make that case that may seem a little weak how to build it and what to look for. And I guess just listening to these people who need someone to help them and need someone to advocate for them. I don't know if it's just in my nature or if this is something that a lot of people would do. You just feel for them and you, you're like, gosh, I want to I help make this right. So I guess it's your own personal desire to right the wrong for them. So when you said you knew you were going to start out entry level, I don't think I realized that that meant you were hired initially as a receptionist and an intake coordinator. Yes. So how did you go about moving from that position to a litigation paralegal position? It was actually offered to me a few months in. I want to say I started um, in the summertime and by early fall, my bosses brought me into their office and presented the offer to me. And I will say I was scared. I was very honest and very open with them when they said, we're going to have a position open up because the litigation paralegal at that time was going to be moving on to other things and you know was going to be going at the end of the year. So they wanted to bring somebody in. I guess, a couple of months in advance to get familiar with the cases. And when they presented this opportunity to me, I was floored. And, you know, I said, I'll be very honest with you. I haven't touched anything related to litigation since I was in college. And the last time I was in college getting my paralegal degree, I I graduated in, in 2012. And so I hadn't done anything 
prior to that. And it was all school related. I never really had real world experience, you know, workforce experience doing anything related to litigation. But I also knew that this was my chance. This was the chance to do with my degree what I'm supposed to do. I couldn't let the fear hold me back. But me being very open and honest about my lack of experience, they said to me, we've seen how quickly you've caught on and we'd love to help you do this and you'll get plenty of training for the next couple of months. So the the litigation paralegal, I shadowed him for the next few months. They started including me in all of the litigation case uh, correspondence. And it was basically me watching very closely and then starting to draft a few things and get familiar with corresponding with other attorneys and experts and things like that. And so I got to watch and they were very accommodating. You know, they said, we will get you any CLE courses that we feel will be beneficial, will be hands-on. You have any questions, please feel free to ask. And so they just made me feel very comfortable and very confident that I would not be fed to the wolves, basically. <laughs> they <laughs> they basically held my hand through the whole transition. And like I said, they're very encouraging about me continuing to take courses and do CLE and, and just get all that kind of experience that I, you know, education that I need. So as scared as I was to fail, I knew that I had to seize the opportunity. And if I didn't, I was going to be entry level for the next couple of years, because if they would have hired somebody else, who knows how long that person would stay on. So I knew that this was my chance. I was like, okay, there's a reason that this is being presented to me. And so early on being with the firm, I don't think I was there for three or four months before that position was offered to me. That again, was another indication that I was in the right place, because their first instinct was, we're going to promote within. And that has always been a deciding factor, you know, even throughout my retail career, is this the kind of place that will invest in their own people and hire within? And I knew that they wouldn't let me fail because if I fail, they fail and they don't like to fail. (laughs) So I, I knew I was in good hands. I knew that they would not just let me sink on my own. I was very confident that they were going to help me be successful. That's that's really good to know and good for other paralegals out there listening. You know, ask yourself, would you feel comfortable being able to say that to a potential future employer? And it sounds like they've made the environment possible already for you to be able to say that. Lisa, what do you think would be a couple, like two or three traits that you have that you think has benefited your paralegal career the most? It's difficult sometimes to pinpoint characteristics of yourself, you know, because you don't want to sound like you're boasting or bragging or anything like that. But what I've learned in the few decades that I've been in the workforce is that you have to be your own advocate. And so my biggest trait now, I think that has helped me, especially in this environment, is that I advocate for myself. I have to be my own cheerleader, my own advocate. And and like I said, I was open and honest about my experience and the expectation I had if I was going to accept the job. So I want to say that I'm just more open about being honest and not painting a picture for my employer that's not going to be realistic. The other thing is, is that I feel like I'm pretty flexible and you have to be able to adjust and change with the times. Everything now is electronic. 
when I was in school, we were still doing everything by paper, still doing legal research in books in a law library. But everything is so modern. Everybody's file systems are online. So you've, you've got to be flexible and be willing to change with the times. And even if you've got, you know, two years or 20 years of experience, you've got to be willing and open to learning from other people. Because somebody who is 10 years younger than you could still have insight that you don't have. So as far as flexibility, you know, you've got to be flexible to change with the times, with the technology, and you've got to be flexible in learning from different people. You don't always need to learn from your superiors. There are plenty of things you can learn from people who may not have as much of your particular experience, but they may have experience in other things. I tell my children all the time, you know, there's something to learn from everybody. Every single person has some ounce of wisdom, whether it's a lesson you learn because you shouldn't associate with a certain person, or if it's wisdom that they have that maybe they don't share because they don't think people will listen. You know, you've got to be flexible in in learning those kind of things. And then you've got to be thick skinned. And I've learned that in all three areas of law that I've worked in. You've got to have a thick skin. Working in law and in the legal field is stressful in any area of law. You've got people that are depending on you. Lawyers are held to the fire if they're not doing things uh, on the up and up. And I told my bosses, you know, this is your law license, not mine. But I know that what I do affects your law license. So it's you've got to be thick skin and knowing that you, if your attorney is a little bit under fire or stressed out, and maybe they're a little rougher on some days, it's their career and their law license that's on the line. And I always take that into consideration when we're picking at each other because we're all stressed out and we're all trying to get things done. And, and we're all human and we all have days. There are maybe some days where somebody says something that might be a little hurtful, but I always take it as that, you know, they're under the same amount of pressure I am. And you got to be thick skinned and sometimes let that stuff go. And as well as being thick skinned, you have to take accountability for the things you might say when you're under the gun and you're stressed. And you have to be able to apologize and move on and realize that you're a team and you've got to get past these things. So the thick skin is something that I don't see very often anymore, but it's definitely a necessity, especially not only within your office environment with coworkers, but with clients too. And we have to take into consideration that these people are hurt or hurting, or have suffered majorly, and they're just venting and may take some things out on you. So you really have to develop that thicker skin and learn to see where these people are coming from. So you could say, you know what, I'm sure they didn't mean it. They've had a rough day, or they're having a rough go at it because maybe they're in pain, or you know, maybe this has affected them financially. So you really have to develop that extra layer of protection. I agree. All right. So Lisa, I like to end each of these episodes with a question that could help a paralegal out there right now who might be struggling. Do you have any advice for a paralegal out there or paralegals out there who might be listening right now and saying to themselves, you know, I don't know if I enjoy being a paralegal. I don't know if I like my job or what I'm doing and might want to just forget it and go to another area of work. Do you have any advice for paralegals out there who might be struggling? That's a great question because I faced that battle myself when I was in personal injury. And I really doubted if I got into the right line of work. 
you really have to examine, is it the work itself or is it the environment that you're in? What I wish I knew then that I definitely know now is how to identify if I'm in a good environment work-wise. Is it an environment that's going to help me grow or is it inhibiting my ability to to move up? Um, Are they invested in my well-being? So you really have to examine, is it the career itself? It may be. It may be that you went to school and picked a career path that maybe you're just not passionate about because you just needed to find something to do to pay the bills. If that's the case, then it may be worth looking into something else. But if you can remember why you started the journey in the first place, it might be the environment. And you really have to figure out if you're in the right place to nurture that passion and that desire that you once had. You've got to be able to find it again. If, you, if you're not in the right environment, my other advice would be to get involved in organizations with legal assistant or paralegal associations in your area. I'm a member of the paralegal division of the state bar and a local chapter of the paralegal association here in San Antonio. And, you know, you get with these like-minded people who are doing the same job as you. And it'll really help you identify if you're in the right environment. Maybe you are in the right career. You just got to find the right place. So get with organizations with other legal assistants and paralegals and just have an open forum and they can help you determine whether you still have the drive to do this job. And maybe you just got to find a different environment to nurture that drive. Or if maybe this just isn't the career path for you, but surround yourself with people that are that are in your same field and really examine the work environment that you're in. That's really good advice, Lisa. Thank you for that. You know, and for those out there who might be working in a larger firm, when Lisa's referring to your environment, it could be the team that you're on. Because I, having come from a large firm, all large firms, you know, you could have 10 different litigation teams with two or three attorneys on each team and a paralegal on each team. And maybe it's the individuals within your environment or maybe the environment or the practice area that you're working in. Like Lisa was talking about the difference when she was doing estate planning or personal injury. So so take Lisa's advice to heart. And I just want to give you a huge thank you, Lisa, for taking time out of your busy schedule for doing this. There will be paralegals out there listening who so appreciate, and maybe it's one paralegal who says, you know, I'm going to maybe take her advice to heart. And so I appreciate it so much, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I really do appreciate this forum that you've developed. It really has given people in our field somewhere to turn and to listen to. So thank you for developing the podcast and to, and keeping it going. And, you know, I love to hear stories from other paralegals and advice. You always want to, you know, pick somebody else's brain. And so this is a great forum and, and thank you for developing it. You're welcome. All right, everybody, that's today's episode. I will see you next week, same time, same place. Bye for now. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, hit the subscribe button in whatever platform you're listening. And please take a quick minute and leave a review of the podcast and share this episode with just one colleague or friend who you think would benefit from what we discussed today share the knowledge and the entire paralegal profession elevates. See you next week. Bye for now.